Sometimes in life, you're just going along, minding your own business, so to speak. And then the next thing you know, life changes. It just takes a left turn suddenly and you don't, you don't really see it coming. How do you deal? That's going to come up today in today's episode of this live event and podcast. Watch for it because it could change the way you see your own life right now. Welcome to the Radio Rally on the Clubhouse app. What you are about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, hearing stories of an amazing radio pro, and uncovering the path forward in radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We help local broadcasters make more money by being an affordable programming partner who can fully develop the right position for your local radio brand or brands, coach your morning show, and other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs, provide excellent voice trackers, sales and promotions, ideas that really move the needle and revenue. Of course, we're confidential and market exclusive for radio. Reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Today's live event will be a podcast. Of course, this podcast is available right now. Uh, anywhere that you get your podcast, it is called the Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast. We add these episodes as they happen, which means later tonight, boom, this will be everywhere. And of course, um, we must thank Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. They do a great job. You can meet our guest on the Clubhouse app live, one of our live events, or you can subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. We do have two podcast. That's right. Two different podcasts. The Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast, which comes from our Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific live event on Clubhouse. And the Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast, which of course comes from what you're listening to right now. They are both available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere you get your podcast. So what's happening right now? This event, February 7th, 2022. Larry Gifford is with us. He's the National Director of Talk Radio and President of PD Adventures, or I'm sorry, Avengers, I knew I'd say that wrong, Larry, Vancouver, Canada. But listen, before we get started with Larry in just a moment, I want to share a couple of quick things with you. First, next week, I think you know about this, uh, Valentine's Day is coming. And of course, it's going to fall on that Monday. We are not going to have a live event, but we are going to have something very special. We call it a love podcast, a modern version, modern version of the love letter for radio. And I'm not going to tell you more about it except to say that we're going to have a bunch of guests. It is going to be a really amazing uh, 50-something minutes in which you will absolutely learn a lot. Then on April 14th, I know it's a little far out, but I like to give our friends in the sales department lots of heads up, right? We have a very special event coming to the encouragers. It's our Q2 exclusive radio sales event, free for market managers, sales managers, and local sellers of radio. We call it Getting Higher Sales Now in a Crowded Market. This event will feature sales consultant Alec Drake from Drake Media Group. And as you will soon learn, we will have two of the very best radio revenue generating experts working in local markets today. They'll be at this event. They will be speaking at this event. They will share with you productivity tips to get your revenue up in Q2 and for the rest of the year. Keep listening for more details to come because they're on the way, but definitely mark your calendar and share it with your sales team. April 14th. By the way, you can see our guest calendar all the way through uh, late March for sure in our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. We also have encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series and even more encouragement for local radio sellers with our encouraging sales success series as well as free resources for anyone in radio today. 
We don't lock away anything on our site the way some consultants do. And uh, we just want you to go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime, see what you can get for free from our team. We are here to encourage radio pros at all levels. doesn't matter where you are. We want to help you get ahead. There should be a place for encouragement, right? Please follow the people on stage during this event and do look around for the people in the room that you can connect with here as well tonight. We are here to encourage you in your broadcast career, and we promote networking with others in our industry regularly. If you haven't liked or joined the Encouragers, please do so now. Uh, We have at least two live events every single week designed to help you grow your radio and audio career. Every week, we have these visits from radio pros from different parts of the country and other countries, as you'll find out tonight, of course. And we do it for a single reason. We're here to encourage you and encourage anyone making a living in the radio business today. This is where you can come to hear from people you might not ordinarily get an opportunity to hear in an intimate setting talking about radio right now. You can meet them on our Clubhouse events live. Today's guest is Larry Gifford, and he's the National Director of Talk Radio for Chorus Entertainment. He has spent more than 30 years in radio as a news and sports anchor, reporter, program director, and consultant. Listen to this. Our guest today hosts the podcast, When Life Gives You Parkinson's, which details his journey with the disease as a guy in his mid-40s with a family and a career. He was diagnosed with young onset Parkinson's disease in August 2017. The show was named Best Podcast by the RTDNA West Region in 2020 and among the best of 2018 by Apple Podcast. In 2020, Gifford co-founded the PD Avengers, a global alliance uh, United raised voices and and urgency to the cause of ending Parkinson's disease. Pretty noble. Now, listen to this. In addition, Larry serves on the Michael J. Fox Foundation Patient Council. He is the host uh, of the Webby Award-nominated Michael J. Fox Foundation Parkinson's podcast and is the MC and moderator for the foundation's Parkinson's IQ and U Live events. He is also uh, somebody who's been named the ambassador for the 2023 World Parkinson's, Parkinson's Congress in Barcelona, Spain. Larry, please welcome to the Encouragers and the Radio Rally. How are you? Oh, great. What a great introduction. Thanks, Lloyd. Well, you know, I, I'm so thrilled that you make time for us, especially with everything that we're going to learn about you. And I want to kind of get right to it. Listen, there's a lot to unpack here, and, and, and we're just going to start at the beginning. How did you find radio, and, or should I say, how did radio find you? In other words, can you talk first experiences? Where did radio begin for you? Well, so funny, uh, in eighth grade, I wanted to do my career project on radio. And my counselor told me it wasn't a legitimate career, that I had to choose something else. Uh, And so I ended up doing a a mentorship with uh, television news. Um, But I never forgot that. And then, like in high school, I was the band announcer. I was the morning announcer. I I loved to announce things. I'd go on stage at a theater and just sort of talk. And I loved hearing my own voice, as most people in radio do. Uh, And then when I went to college, I was actually a musical theater major for about three days until I realized in the basement of the theater, there was a radio station. And I started hanging out there. Uh, So I actually found the radio station inside of a theater in Westerville, Ohio. Uh, at Otterbein University, uh, and uh, it's uh, where I was uh, born and raised, and um, I'm, I'm like sixth generation to go there, and it, 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 it was it was nice. And so, uh, from there, I was on the air first year, uh, first the first year there as a freshman, uh, which you know I think practical experience is the best way to, to to build your career wherever you can get behind a mic, uh, get get behind a mic whether they're paying you or not. 
That's right. Listen, I, you know, I, I was going to bring up Otterbein University uh, because you have a BS in communication for there. And, and I'm going to pause for a second because I got to go back and ask this question. You know, you had that guy tell you this is not a legitimate career. Did you walk around with a chip on your shoulder for a while or? Oh, yeah. Or, oh, yeah. Or did you have did you have what is it? Imposter syndrome? And you thought, man, this is not a real thing, but I, I got to see if I can get away with it. But Mrs. Delgado, D-E-L-G-A-D-O, I'll never forget her. Uh, and uh, when I be, I think when I, when I be, you know, as we go through my career, I was the program director of ESPN. When I got there, I kind of just right. was able to, you know, say, all right, I win. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's great. All right. So listen, here you are at the university. You, you have a BS in communication. I want you to tell us about the university and your activities. And, and it's kind of a swirl for me because here you are with WOBN, uh, promotions director, production director, play-by-play, and your work as a reporter on WOCC. You've got a lot going on here. Yeah, so th- they had a great program. So the WOBN uh, uh, was the uh, – it was on – 101.1 FM, so Rock 101, uh, and the first show that I was, they had showcases, and I think College Station still have those, and we were, some friends of mine, we, we were granted for one quarter, uh, I guess it was winter quarter, starting in January, uh, and this was would have been uh, 1995. January '95, we were going to do a, uh, a a a comedy show called uh, Renegade Radio, and just as we were about to get on the air, uh, the first Gulf War broke out, and so we switched plans from doing a comedy show to doing live coverage of the first Gulf War and the the, the cruise missiles and the the uh, Scud missiles and uh, and we didn't have a TV and we. Uh, we're, we only had a, a uh, AP uh, the print with the, the dot matrix printer, so we'd get like a line at a time of what was going on, and we um, we had no internet, so we brought out encyclopedias, trying wow. to figure out maps where where we were talking about and just describing it, and when the president was going to address the nation, we didn't have a line because we weren't affiliated with anybody. So we actually, we actually illegally broadcast a a competitive commercial radio station that we knew would have the speech. And, um, and actually, you know, while they slapped our hand for doing that, it was actually in the best interest of the public, which is what our duty is to do. Um, That's really true, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, we probably should have called somebody for permission, but, you know, we were renegades. (laughs) Well, the question is, if if you're in that situation, who in the heck do you call? Well, right. Right? Yeah. Like I'm uh, like my first radio show ever. And suddenly uh, the Gulf War breaks out. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. There there must have been a lot of tension and a lot of like hurry up and oh, my God, what's the next piece of information? Was it like that all night? Oh yeah, we were, we were probably on the air till three in the morning, and then we, it was nonstop during. You know, we the station really became an outlet for the for the college students who, at that time, we didn't know what was going to happen and if there was going to be a draft or, you know, because there was there's fear of that because we hadn't had war in a long time in the United States, right? Um, and uh, and for me, it was a great great learning experience, and uh, and uh, I feel very fortunate to have been in a position to to be there and to you know, to, to have that experience. You know, I really wondered about you. I wondered, gosh, what is it that's polluted this guy over into the talk lane? And of course, now I know it's several things already in your story have done that. Listen, you've been a sports director and a program director. I want to know which one of those jobs is your favorite, at least between the two, the posi- these two positions. Oh, man, that's tough. Mm. I'll tell you, my favorite job I ever had was the sports director of um, uh, 95.5 WWDB in Philadelphia. Now, this was a news talk, uh, early FM news talker that was going against uh, KYW, which was the, you know, the old, you know, KYW, you give us 20 minutes, we'll give you the world. Uh, And we're like, okay, we're going to compete against this. They hired like 20 people. Uh, to be part of this FM news team, and they they plucked me out of Ohio, 
uh, to be the morning reporter. But when we got there and started doing rehearsals, uh, Gil Gross was the lead anchor. He was a fill-in for Paul Harvey. Uh, Pat Farnack was. We stole her from KYW. So we we had a we had a a really good team, uh, and they hadn't hired anybody to do sports. Uh, and so I said, Well, I, I can do sports. Uh, and I, you know, I had limited experience of sports in college, but I hadn't really studied it. Uh, but I grew up in a sports-minded household. I played sports, so I'm like, yeah, I can do it. And what I did was different than, you know, they have WIP, you know, the, the, the Wing Bowl and, you know, all these, I mean, the, the heritage of the, that radio station alone is huge. Uh, and oh, so, yeah. But I, I started winning sports awards to their chagrin because I was taking it from the fan perspective and not the expert perspective. So I was like, oh, man, the Phillies lose again. Oh, or like, I, you know, Alan Iverson, bang, bang, bang. That's me hitting my head against the wall as he you know, misses the three-pointer at the buzzer. You know, it's, it, you just had fun with it. And I, I, uh, I made up a word called yadahuda. So anytime anything went well, that's what I'd say. And then I got all these players to say it. And so it would be like, yeah, uh, Donovan McNabb scored seven touchdowns. He goes, hi, it's Donovan McNabb, yada hoota. You know, it just, we just had fun. And uh, I won best sports in Philadelphia, best sports in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, and after about a year and a half, I moved to Los Angeles. But that year and a half, there was no rules because nobody knew anything about sports in the newsroom, so I could do whatever I wanted. <laughs> Wow. And look, anybody listening now or later on the podcast, I just want you to try to keep up. So if you have a little notepad or something, you don't have to do it that way. You do it mentally. Just make little check marks about where Larry here has been. Okay. Larry, tell us about your leap to become the program director of ES the ESPN radio network. Did you enjoy that? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. So um, from Philadelphia, I moved to L.A., Mm -hmm. uh, so in L.A., I worked at Extra Sports for part time, which is uh, for Kobe and Shaq's first um, uh, title. Uh, and then that summer, Fox Sports Radio uh, launched in the summer of 2000. And I was the first voice on the network. I was the sports director of the network. Um, and I, I told you this uh, before. I, I learned empathy from Tom Lee, who yes. was the program director. And my father was dying. He, he had a, a diagnosis that we knew was, was uh, going to be fatal. He was in Ohio. And I said, Tom, I, I got to quit. I got to move back to Ohio to be with my dad. I don't know how much time he has left. And he goes, you don't, why do you need to quit? He goes, why don't you just go home and be with your dad? And when you're ready to work, you let me know. I'm like, really? He goes, yep. So I went and played golf with him every day, and we hung out. And, and at some point, I said, okay, Tom, I'm ready. And he sent out a, a remote equipment, and I did live national updates from my basement. I hosted shows from my basement um, and did that for several years until I became the program director of WBNS, the Ohio State uh, Radio Network. Now, Larry, you're way ahead of the curve there. Did you? That was like practice for COVID. I know, yeah, for sure. Uh, and so, the, uh, uh, so I had Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Spielman as hosts in Columbus, Ohio, who were also on ESPN Radio Network. And I had Rick Scott as my consultant, who was also consulting the ESPN Radio Network. Right. And so I was, I was there for about a year, and we took, uh, you know, 1460 The Fan, we uh, took it. We, we actually named the top sports station uh, of the country uh, by talkers. We were... Um, we, we, it was a great year, um, and the ESPN called me and asked me if I'd be interested in becoming the program director of the network, and I said no. And oh, they said, what? I did. Um, Tom Lee called me. Uh, not Tom Lee, it was Bruce Gilbert. Bruce Gilbert called me, and I said, uh, Bruce, I don't, I don't, I've only been here a year. Of, I mean, it was my first program director gig. I was a year into it. And I said, I, I don't think I'm, I'm ready for it. He goes, I think you're ready for it. And I said, okay. He goes, why don't you just fly out and let's talk? And I did, and I loved it. Um, <laughs> it was so wild. My first day on the job, uh, I'm in my office, and there's a knock on the door. I said, come in. And it was Drew Carey. And Drew, Drew Carey looks, Carey. yeah, the comedian. Yeah. And, and uh, he also owns part of a soccer team in Seattle, and, uh, but, and he's a photographer. And he looked at me, and he goes, hey, you got any aspirin? 
I said, yeah, yeah, I got some aspirin. He goes, oh, thanks, man. I've really, my, my, my fiance is, she's got a headache. I said, all right, great. And so I gave him that and I went around the corner and I went to the men's room and I'm standing at the urinal next to uh, uh, Dick Vitale and then in walks Lou Holtz. Man. I'm like, oh my God, Are they, am, I, am I being set up? <laughs> so you're like, this job's gonna be different. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like going from um, riding the, uh, the bumper cars at uh, Kings Island in Ohio to uh, the Indianapolis 500. Well, listen, this might be a step backwards, but I want you to talk to us about your time as program director of 710 ESPN in Los Angeles. Yeah, so I went from the network to 710. So, okay, very good, very good. Yeah, so that was owned and operated by, are, by ESPN. By the, way, by the way, these are not small jobs. No, no, they're... <laughs> so, yeah, when I was at the network, I oversaw Mike and Mike in the morning, Dan Patrick, Colin Cowherd, and uh, Eric Casilius. Uh, and um, it, it was uh, it was a those are big big talent with big shows that, that meant a lot of revenue to ESPN and Disney and you know it was yeah. and I if anybody remembers this um, my last day on the job uh, was Mike and Mike's Marriage Madness and it was where when they were doing the weddings on the Today Show and whatnot and I proposed that we do like a uh, March Madness where we took sports couples who were planning to get married and we found the ultimate sports couple and then we married them at ESPN. Uh, and I had to sell that up and down to every platform. We, it ended up being on, I think it was a world record. It was on 10 different platforms. Uh, and it, a lot of people at ESPN didn't really like it and because it didn't seem to be on brand, but it got a ton of publicity. Uh, we married off a, a Florida Gator couple, um, and they had the mascot and the band here. Uh, we had the Gin Blossoms play the reception at, at ESPN. Yeah, no, it was crazy. It was so fun, and they ended up putting um, like they uh, the 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 event itself has been featured in the Smithsonian as uh, how uh, sports. Uh, and media can influence how cable television influences pop culture. And I, by the way, I just hear you in the background again going, I won, I won. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, that's cool. So, so then uh, after ESPN, um, Bruce, Bruce pulled me aside. He goes, listen, I'm going to be leaving here to go to the Redskins radio network. He goes, um, do you want to go to back to L.A.? Because we could use somebody out there. Like, poof, yeah, sure. He goes, we just, we're going to be building TV out there, the West Coast facility, and, and the, the radio station needs some help. So it would, if, you, if, you, if you're interested, you know, it's yours. Right. And, and um, so I talked to my wife, and yeah, we were like, yeah, we're ready to go back. And so uh, went back there, and I was the program director for five years. And when I got there, um, I sat down with the uh, editor of... Um, LARadio.com, uh, yeah. Don Barrett. And Don's a great guy, big proponent of radio, and we're having lunch, as you do in L.A. Um, and <laughs> he goes, so what, what is your goal? What do, you, what do you think you can accomplish? I said, well, I, I, I think we're all in this to win, right? Like, I want to be number one. And he goes, well, it was the number one sports, because there's three sports stations in town. Yeah, right. And I said, no, 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 I want to be number one. He goes, it's a market of 28 radio stations, and you're like 20th. I said, well, somebody's got to be number one. Thank you. And a lot of people gave, ridiculed me and laughed at me. And the, the last quarter I was there, uh, while I was there, we acquired USC football. We acquired the Lakers after a 30-year run with our competitor. And we uh, acquired uh, the Los Angeles Angels. A little bit of cue. Yeah, and so, and the the Kobe's uh, first title without Shaq, um, we were number one in the city for one day. And so I I just jotted a note to Don to let him know that, and he published it. And people were like, well, that doesn't count. I said, I didn't say how long we were going to be number one. That's right. And look, <laughs> doing it at all is awesome in that town, no question. i got to ask this because it seems like it's a theme that shows up. Yeah, look, as a program director, now take all your other hats off and all the other stuff that's happened since. 
as a program director, did you kind of bring that sense you had in Philly about taking the listener side of things with you? Oh yeah, for sure. And it's all about the listener, right? It's, yes. It's never, you know, when your ego uh, takes over the show, there shouldn't be any guests. There shouldn't be any callers because you'll just drown them out. So yeah. if you're really about the fan, you're bringing the experts on to talk to the fans. And when yes. you bring the fans on, they're there to talk to you. Right. But they they want to they want to have a conversation. They don't want they don't want to yell at you. All right. So look, I'm going to take a left turn on you. I love the flip back and forth between sports and talk or talk and sports. When I see these things happen, you became the program director of Bonneville, Seattle Talk 97.3 K-I-R-O, Kiro. And the Cairo, uh, Cairo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. And K-T-T-H-A-M. Now, look. Um, was this a big change or was it a struggle between talk and sports with you? Well, so, you know, I started as a reporter and an right. anchor on news. So it's, um, it was, it was sort of going home again. And I, I've never claimed to be a big sports guy or a big, uh, news guy. I'm a radio guy. Hmm. I believe I could program any format. And then I can program music if I have a music director, uh, right. cause it's all about, working with coaching with talent and it doesn't matter what the content is it's how you present it it's how you approach it it's how how do you make it accessible how do you make it unique how do you make it your own you know right. everybody's got the same stories it's what you do with those stories that's going to you know, make you or break you how do you make it compelling right yes you know right. what, what 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 research are you adding to it what dots are you connecting that's right. All right. So, look, this this question is worth asking since we believe and we're always making the point that programmers are revenue generators. I'm going to repeat that again because I love the sound of it. I love for people in our business to hear it. Programmers are revenue generators. What is it like to have your station, KTTHAM, go from number 32 in the market to number one with persons 35 to 64 in 12 months yeah it's it's pretty remarkable uh and we did that with cairo as well when it flipped a we flipped it to fm from am uh and then 12 months later it was number one uh and right. then it was a slow slower climb with ktth but we we turned it into a conservative talker uh and it was uh you know we just hit the hit the right moment that was that was the time when uh rush limbaugh was in a whole lot of trouble uh for the uh uh, one, one of his antics, I forget which one, but it, the, we, I think I had a 1,200 complaints on my, my inbox. Uh, and when you get more than uh, 100, that's when you start needing to pay attention. Right. <laughs> and uh, it, it, and that's, that's in the States because, you know, I, have you ever been contacted by the FCC over a complaint? Uh, you know what? I've had the FCC walk into my radio station, and it's the only time it ever happened to me. And uh, I was with the chief engineer and the market manager, and we all stood up as the hair on the back of our neck did. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it was I, a moment I've, for us. I, you know, I've been in the business a long time. I've never spoken to anybody at the FCC. I know, right? But in Canada, where I am now, every yes. complaint has to be responded to within 20 days by the radio station program director. Really? Yeah. Every single, no matter what it is. No matter what it is. Dude, let's talk about the difference between talk radio in the United States, because you have experience here, and talk radio in Canada. Well, I mean, you listen to talk radio in the United States. What do you hear? It's you know, far, I'm far a, right. I'm I'm a radio guy, so you don't want me answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> so it's far right. It's it's yes. uh, bombastic. It's um, you know well, well, look, dog Larry, whistles. Let me put it to you this way: My mother used to call me up when she was alive, and she would go, "Hey, listen, um, I want to tell you about something I'm really worried about." And I would start listening to her, and I go, "Hey, where, where are you getting this?" And she goes, "I got it from WBAP in Dallas." Yeah. And I go, uh, whoa, whoa, you're, you're hearing this on the radio? She goes, yeah, yeah. And I go, listen, so here's what you do. Stop listening to that. And right. she goes, why would, why would you do that? And I go, because there's a guy like me at WBAP, 
and his whole life is about twisting you up and getting you to listen longer. Right. And so what you're listening to is about that. It's not about what the subject is. It's they're not servicing the listener. They're 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 fooling the listener. They're servicing Uh, that money. There's a a great quote from Harlan Ellison, who's a U.S. poet who who died a couple years ago. He says, everybody has opinions. I have them. You have them. And we are all told from the moment we open our eyes that everyone is entitled to his or her opinion. Well, that's horse pucky, of course. We're not (laughs) entitled to our opinions. We're entitled to our informed opinions. Without research, without background, without understanding, it's nothing. It's just bibble babble. It's like a fart in a wind tunnel, folks. Well, now it's on social media, so you really got a problem now, right? Right, but informed opinions are what's what's what Canada does that the U.S. doesn't. Um, we did the largest research project uh, on talk radio in Canada's history, and uh, P1, a research firm out of Dallas, uh, mm-hmm. came up, and it's the single largest uh, project they've ever done. Uh, and we spent um, we we spent time in four different markets talking to the panelists. Then we did a, a fourteen hundred person online survey, and we were really trying to get to the heart of what does the Canadian news talk listener want? Because forever we've just been following the U.S.'s footprint, and then suddenly we're like, where are you taking us? <laughs> because the the listeners oh, are wait different. Wait, the- wait, 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 wait. So you're saying that you literally were following what is happening in the U.S. and somebody at some point went, wait a minute, this is not right. Something's not right here. That somebody was me. All right. And so then it was, this is getting so far off kilter, we have to stop and assess what's going on. Right. Because we were just, like, we were hiring right-wing hosts. And we were, you know, encouraging that, you know, come at it really hard and, you know, find those, you know, uh, we were having, you know, people from not credible sources on the air. And so what we've what we've done now is we're reinventing talk radio for Canadians. Uh, so like the mission for my radio network now is to inform and engage hardworking Canadian families who demand right. reliable information, want meaningful conversation and seek accountability. Ooh, there's a big word. And so that that's different than what you're going to see as a mission statement for a right wing station in the States. Right. And, um, you know, the other thing that we need to keep in mind is the listener is different today. This is the first year. Uh, and I don't know if it's happening in the U.S., but it should be that we're not focused on baby boomers. They're too old. Well, now, right. So now for the first time since 1980, we're not talking about boomers we're not talking to boomers it was a good 40-year run but they they're not in the demo anymore so maybe so so now it's the cuspers it's the people generation x and millennials and we will focus for now so for for the until i actually have this timed out so we're going to focus um on the uh, gen xers and millennial cuspers uh until 2030 and then from 2030 to 2045, it'll always be about the millennial. Mm. So you've got to think about that 45-year-old, the, the 45 to 54-year-old for talk. That's right. the sweet spot because you can get the young and you can get the old. But if you go too young, you're going to lose the old. If you go too old, you're going to lose the young. That's right. Well, listen, let's talk about this because after all your experience, you started a consulting company. How did you find you enjoy that work? You know what? I loved it. Um, and, and it wasn't what I anticipated. It wasn't what I expected. I thought that I would get hired by a bunch of different companies. Yeah. And I ended up, I got hired by a few companies, uh, a few radio stations. Actually, Chorus had me as a consultant before I came up here. Um, and uh, I actually had more clients that were individual morning shows all across the U.S. and nice. tal- talent across uh, around the world, South Africa. England, India, um, uh, South Korea, um, uh, Dubai. Um, So I I had all all these talent that weren't getting feedback. They weren't growing and they wanted to be stars. And, you know, I I was I was able to consult some of the, you know, some of the most popular uh, talk shows or morning shows 
music morning shows in the United States. Right. Um, it's you know, amazing that they don't get attention, right? But things have changed. Yeah. I mean, I used to air check Kevin and B. Right. That had to be fun. Oh, it's great. Listen, so so now we're going to turn it a little bit serious. I know it might seem like we're, we're serious already, but I want to talk about how you can go through your daily life just like every day before, and then one day you get a diagnosis. Well, yeah, that's that's hard. And, you know, and everybody's got something. So I, I'm well, not let's here hear to... about your something. Yeah. Your uh, something is a real what, – what's that word you used with the sports people back in Philadelphia? Yada hooda. Yeah, you got a yada hooda. <laughs> yeah. I uh, – I, uh... I was having problems, so but I thought I was just getting older. Uh, I, 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 you know, I was overweight. I was out of shape, and you know, I'd never been forty before, so I didn't know what that was like. So, I, right. I, but I was having trouble walking. Like my gait was off. Um, I was having trouble, like, um, uh, with my fine motor skills, and, and um, every now and again, I'd get like my pinky trimmer, and, uh, and then eventually I started getting a, a big trimmer, and I started getting pain in my legs, and. So I, I went to the doctor to check it out, and she sent me to a neurologist, thinking that I probably had MS. Um, and I, so I went to this specialist for MS, and he's like, well, the good news is, is you don't have MS. And he goes, and I can't diagnose you with anything else. He goes, but I believe you have Parkinson's disease, but we'll need somebody else to, to check that out. And so uh, he uh, recommended me to a specialist down the hall. Uh, a couple months later, uh, August of 2017, I was officially diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, uh, young onset Parkinson's, because most people who are diagnosed with Parkinson's are over the age of 60. And at that yeah, time, this, I was 45. This gives you some in common with somebody we're going to talk about in a minute. I want you to tell us about your own podcast. I believe it's called Curious Cast, although I've seen two different names. So you're going to have to give us the 411. So, so yeah, the, the name of the podcast is When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Yes. And the distributor is Curious Cast. That's the chorus, chorus's own uh, you know, distri distribution part or our podcast channel. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, but it's on all, it's on, you know, iTunes and you know Stitcher and all the all the places you go for podcasts, right, right, um, right. And it's in its fourth season, um, and it's um, it started off as me wanting to document my journey, um, and because there was no podcasts that talked to the patient other than from a doctor's perspective, so you have all these um, you know. You know, and no offense, but like, you know, when I tune in, when I'm looking for answers is I'm looking for what's the experience like. Yeah. So I would listen to the Michael J. Fox podcast or I'd listen to, you know, one of the other podcasts and they always featured scientists and researchers yeah. and neurologists. And I'm like, yeah, but what about the people that are actually living with it? And so I'm like, oh, wait, you know, at one point I heard I actually did listen to one of the researchers guy named Ray Dorsey out of uh, Rochester, and he goes, listen, if people with Parkinson's don't start sharing their stories, we'll never raise enough awareness to raise enough money to do enough research to cure this. And that just like hit me like a ton of bricks because I'm a storyteller. I have been all my life. And I thought, well, if I'm not willing to go there, how can I expect anybody else to? And, Mary, and that's, that's how we started the podcast. Going back to Philadelphia, right? where you talk about how you gave the listener experience. You're doing it again. Yeah. Okay. This is, uh, I'm going to go as far as to say this is your gift, right? Oh, well, is thank that, you. I appreciate is that. Is that you go, look, it's this perspective that's really important. And, you know, I mean, look, people can talk about complicated science all you want. I, I run across this talk with some really smart people sometimes. And I kind of chuckle a little bit because it's a little bit beyond most of us. Right. Yeah. But the experience is not beyond anyone. Talk to us about your involvement with the patient council for the Michael J. Fox foundation for Parkinson's research. Cause this all kind of fits together. Yeah. Well, and, and this is a great example of, doing something for free. I don't get paid to do this podcast. It's just part of what I do for the company uh, and for myself. I enjoy doing it. So it's kind of off the side of my desk. They let me do it. They 
they they get it sponsored by Parkinson's Canada. They keep the revenue. Like I'm, I just do it because I love it, um, and I love right. podcasts. Um, right. And, and I did the podcast, and the first season of the podcast, I got a call from the Michael J. Fox Foundation, uh, like the day the first episode came out, and they're like, w- "Would you uh, take a meeting with us?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you went, uh, sure. Uh, yeah. And uh, they asked me, uh, they courted me for a, a couple of months. I had a lot of different phone calls with different people. And, uh, and then they asked me to join the patient council. And so I've been uh, for about, uh, I guess, four years now, I've been on the patient council. Um, and uh, we work, you know, we, we, before COVID, we were going twice a year. We'd go to New York City uh, to their their headquarters and we would meet with the researchers and the funders and you know all the all the people that were making decisions and we would give um uh, honest critique about what they were going to do and what they needed to do in order to serve the patients Mm -hmm. Uh, because the patients uh you know the people with parkinson's uh are are oftentimes or have been in the past uh thought of as we should be grateful for what we have and for being participants but we, we don't want to be grateful participants. We, we want to be partners. Um, right. And we want to be there. We, you know, we still have our, our knowledge and our, our capacity. We, we, you need us in order to do what you're doing. And we need you in order to get better. I love that you use the word capacity. And I, I want to go back to something for a minute because I know people are especially people who listen to the podcast right they're they're going to want to know uh do you know michael j fox do you know him i i, I know him as well as you do uh <laughs> oh i see i see okay all right yeah no i don't know him personally uh but you know i i'm happy to serve on his patient council and i host his podcast which, which was a webby award winner uh, last year right. Uh, and I, I'm happy to host his events. I mean, I think what he's done, uh, raising a, you know a, a billion dollars in 20 years, is nothing to, unbelievable. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, he is. Yeah. I, I, like he, well, he's an inspiration. And well, um, Larry, listen, you and Michael J. Fox have something else in common. If I'm reading the room correctly, and you'll correct me if I'm not, uh, you both have young onset, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's so, diagnosed at 27, 29. Crazy, yeah. crazy yeah. stuff that happens. And, and yet, look, whether it's you and what you've done for him and what he's done, I'm always blown away by it's the few who do for the many. And for a lot of us, we just sit down and just have a pity party. And what are you doing? Not only do you have this podcast, not only are you involved in the Michael J. Fox Foundation, but... You know, I want to know about PD Avengers, right? Yeah, I'll just tell you really quickly. Take yeah. advantage of the tools you have around you. So, like, I've got this podcast, but I also have radio shows across the country that report to me, and I have access to a, a huge, the, the largest news website in Canada, and right. uh, local TV shows and, and national TV shows. So, I, I promote my podcast across all of our outlets. I go on Absolutely. as a guest. Um, and so as you're, as you're doing, as you're going through your career, um, don't just get LinkedIn contacts. So you have somebody to call when you're out of work, (laughs) use LinkedIn as a network of people who are resources for you, you would, you know, call upon them before you need them, keep, keep contact with them, but also leverage it for things that you can do better in your current job. That's exactly right. Tell us about PD Avengers, because I need to know about this. Yeah, so um, the PD Avengers uh, came out of uh, COVID's time. At the beginning of COVID, there was a new book that came out called Ending Parkinson's Disease. One of the authors was Ray Dorsey, who inspired my podcast. Todd Shear, who's the head of the Fox Foundation. Michael Okun, who's the uh, the lead surgeon for uh, deep brain stimulation, which is one of the uh, treatments for Parkinson's. He's in Florida. And Boz Bloom, who's a guy out of the Netherlands, uh, who is an MD and PhD and, and brilliant. Um, and so the four of them wrote this book, and I've become fast friends with them. And it's a prescription for action, because a lot of the Parkinson's uh, 
uh, on, the onset of Parkinson's is triggered by environmental causes and toxic chemicals and um, also, um, you know, from co concussions and sports and preventable stuff. Like the, uh, the Industrial Revolution began the spread of Parkinson's. Um, and so, it's you know, it's really interesting. My little boy, my youngest little boy, uh, was diagnosed with leukemia when he was really young. And one of the first things I wanted to know is what caused this? What, you know, what have we done? What, what caused it? And they said, we don't do any research on that. And I thought, yeah. wow, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Why would you not do that? So it's interesting that you bring this up, right? And so, so we've, we've actually banned um, the PD Avengers then. So we started meeting... I invited 12 people to a Zoom call and said, I want to talk about this book, get the book, read it. We're meeting in three weeks. There's 12 people from around the world that I knew from conferences and stuff. Uh, we started talking. We, we all loved the book. We, we all disagreed with different parts of it. Uh, we invited the authors on each, you know, each, we met for like six, seven, eight weeks. And finally, Boz Bloom came on at the end. He goes, hey, it's great you guys are doing this, but... Uh, it's a prescription for action, not talking. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, so are we going to do something or not? And so we formed this group called the PD Avengers. And that came from nobody knew who was invited to the first meeting, but they knew I was the, you know, the, the impetus. And so they trusted me. And so as they showed up and they were like, oh, yeah, hey, it's good to see you. And they, they're like, this is like a superhero convention or something. We all like walking into the same room and they're like, yeah, we're like uh, Parkinson's superheroes. And they're like, yeah, we're like the Avengers. And somebody goes, no, we're the PD Avengers. And that was before we even talked about the book. And so we kind of, I put that at the top of the notes and I thought it was funny. And then we couldn't think of a better name. So when we actually became a nonprofit, uh, we we named it the PD Avengers, and it's taken hold. We have we we now have eighty organizations, uh, eighty three organizations worldwide, uh, including all the major ones in the U.S. that have vowed to work together uh, outside their silos with all the other organizations for a uh, annual campaign to send the same messages about Parkinson's at the same time around the world to get a better, you know, because everybody's working in their own little ethos and nobody's collaborating. And so, in fact, the first phone call we had with the first 30 executives, they'd never met each other. So it was, huh. we, spent, we spent an hour and a half just introducing people to each other. Uh, and, and through that first meeting, we met a woman who was the head of uh, Parkinson Africa, who they desperate, you know, the, the number one medicine for Parkinson's is called Cinemet, or, or it's called Levodopa. Cinemet's one of the, the kinds that you can get. And Levodopa is, is basically dopamine replacement. You know, I've lost most of my dopamine producing brain cells, uh, as has everybody else with Parkinson's. And you need that for, to do anything, to move any part of your body, to tell your, to, to pick up a cup of water and drink it. You, know, you need the, the, the dopamine is sort of the, the grease that you need to send the message. Um, from your brain to wherever. And so um, we, um, where, where was I? This is another part of Parkinson's is you lose your space. Um, yeah, you were talking about this lady from Africa, right? Oh yeah, so she, we're at this first meeting. She, she goes, I, I've just raised $10,000 for Parkinson Africa and I wanna get medicine here because they, they can't buy it. But I don't know how to get my hands on it. And this other woman from another group in Canada said, hey, we know how to get the medicine. Because uh, we—that's what we do. Uh, is we send medi med medicine and medical supplies to third world countries, and then this other woman goes, hey, "I've got the contacts on the ground. That's what we do research with people with Parkinson's in Africa. So if you get the medicine to me, I'll take it in my next trip." And then you felt like uh, superheroes, didn't you? Right there, yeah, right in front yeah. of us. It's like that's what we're doing, dude. I'm so impressed by you. How do you not be impressed by you? A lot of people might think that you would be doing less after being diagnosed with Parkinson's. Why does it look like you're actually doing more? Can you tell us about your role as national director of talk radio for Chorus Entertainment? Well, you're so the, a radio guy, right? Yeah, I'm a radio guy. I, uh, 
I, you know, this is a dream job, really. Uh, I get to do all the fun stuff, right? I, I don't. I, I, I was when I first came up here. I was the program director of two radio stations, um, a, a, a news talk, and I think uh, the country, the North America's only all-traffic station. Uh, really, all a lot of traffic. It's traffic, traffic, traffic. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you, we don't have to wait for the tens. We have traffic on the ones, twos, threes, fours, fives, sixes. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's a good training ground for people straight out of, out of college or whatever to get behind the mic and to get to know their voice. And, uh, and it's a good service for the community. Um, and it's, it's not, it's, it's more of a flanker to the news wheel, uh, mm-hmm. because the news wheel is just a traffic wheel on the news wheel stations. Cause it's all revolving around the traffic time. You know, right. traffic on the ones, traffic on the sevens, whatever, is so they've built their format around traffic. So we just built a traffic format, <laughs> and so what we do is we flank them where they're trying to come at the news talker, but the the, the traffic stations over here are just throwing stones at them, so they takes their eye off the news talk, and then they start push, they start making on air comments about the other stations in town that do traffic and. Uh, and so they lose their focus. It's you know, it's just, just uh, war games. Um, Some of my favorite stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, and then um, so I was doing that for a while, and then we realized we had like nine radio stations that had all been built independently of each other as part of our, and there was no continuity, and we couldn't sell national promotions because there was no uniform way of doing things. So. Uh, they hired me uh, to really try to unify everybody. And that's part of this whole reinvention of news talk is we need the same brand standards and we need to look alike. We need to be a unit and, and still have that local appeal. I mean, that, and that's key for this and PD Avengers. It's, right. it, 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 it's, it's a global vision with a local execution. Uh, because I like for for you know what people want in Vancouver on their news stock is different than what people want in Winnipeg. Like in Winnipeg, they may want the farm report, but in Vancouver, that'd be ridiculous. Right. So there's there's the options to customize it for your local market because local 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 is what's you know if you're going up against the the NPR of Canada, which is the CBC. Uh, you, you, the only strength that you have there is that you're local all the time and they're, they're substituting with national content. We, you know, we had a board member for, uh, NPR on just a few weeks ago and it was startling what he said about us radio and how excited they all have been as they become more aggressive and, and commercial radio has just giving them the keys to it's bottomed out it's a race to the bottom mm-hmm. like whatever happened to like just creativity and uh and people like building and, and growing things it's like i feel like it, it's just become hurling mud balls at each other um in fact i had a guy i had a guy who was from australia uh, who's a program director and consultant he came up to canada because i really want to work in the u.s i'm like you do he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, why do you want to do that? He goes, oh, it's the pinnacle. It's the pinnacle. Everybody thinks the U.S. is the pinnacle. Uh, and I said, you're going to be bored because it's a, it's a lot of, you know, I don't mean to depress anybody, but there's a lot of buddy-buddy there in the U.S. And people get promoted not because of uh, how great they are at what they do. Uh, and a lot of times the senior managers are afraid of hiring smart people that may challenge them. Mm. Um, and you want to make sure when you get your job that you know who you're getting, you know, into into bed with, because uh, there's some great people in radio. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but you, there are some, you know, just like with anything, you can have good and bad relationships. That's um, right. And let's just say that there are some channels in the modern radio era, especially in the U.S. Oh yeah, and and, and I said, you know, the the fact of the matter is. In Canada, there's, you know, they only have the population of the state of California. So there's not a lot of jobs. And so in order to get one of these jobs, whether you're on the air or behind the board, you got to be good. Mm-hmm. And so the talent, you know, the, the talent rises to the top. 
And so in the U.S., if you want a job in radio and you're willing to do anything, you'll get hired. Just move somewhere and go. Knock on a door. You'll get up. You'll be. You can do an overnight board shift. You'll never get on the air. Well, it's challenging to say uh, there may not be an overnight board shift. So, well, <laughs> that's true. a whole different conversation. Yeah. Let, listen, let's talk about this. And I always like to take people off the hook before I give them this question because it is my personal belief that nobody knows the future. And if you think you know the future, well, I got news for you. <laughs> but I, I would like to ask from your perspective because it is a pretty unique perspective what do you think the role of radio will be in the future well this is a tough one but i think radio has been around 103 years and i it's not it's it will evolve and change as it always has but we're going to see the am dial go away in about 10 or 15 years um it'll the, you know, it's already uh, in Europe, they're on digital audio broadcast, the DAB, yes. and they're, they're no longer on AM, FM. Um, so FM will still be around for a while, um, but you're, you're going to find all these services are going to, you know, just like on your car right now where you can have access to, you know, uh, satellite or uh, Spotify or your AM, FM or whatever <laughs> app you want. That's 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 the future, and you want to be everywhere, wherever you can be. It's not about radio; it's about audio distribution. You know, well, wait a minute. and it's about content and branding, right? Right. So we so this is this is an example, uh, uh, sort of a, a friend of mine came up with this. She, she's like, we we are in the chicken business, okay? And do you want fried chicken? Do you want baked chicken? Do you want chicken wings? Do you want, do you want uh, chicken a la king? Do you want, uh, or, or, or we can be in the potato business. We can slice them. We can dice them. We can do French fries. We can do tater tots. We can do curly fries. Like, we're in the radio content business. You need a 30-second version of that story? Do you need a five-minute version of that story? Do you need, you know, a, an hour-long talk show? Or do you need a three-hour-long talk? Whatever you need, we can make it. We can build it. And we'll we'll dice it up and put it to the different places we can be, uh, that's right. and 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 that's the key is being able to to see and 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 it, like if you're not reading the trades and and trying to find out what's the next thing, um, there's nobody else in your company that probably is in charge of fixing things. Like most program directors are too busy to think about today, let alone next year. That's right. So I would say if anybody uh, is interested, um, and, and this is this is something that I uh, I was leading a, a a meeting as a consultant, and the general manager back when general managers were still around in Canada, the, there's no more general managers here. Um, he got up in front of this group and goes, "Listen, we're here because we have a heritage brand, and we're losing, and we don't know why." And Larry's going to take us through some exercises uh, so we can figure that out and figure out a plan. He goes, and make no mistake, there is nobody else in this company, in any room, any city, thinking about how we're going to save CKNW. It's on us. Make no doubt. And that's the case for every radio station in the country. If you work for a radio station. And every personality. Yes. It's your job. It's your job. You take ownership of your job and of your company uh, and, um, you know, come forward with ideas. And, uh, you know, everybody, everybody loves somebody who comes to them with solutions rather than problems. That's right. Listen, by the way, this is one of the reasons that we don't just have the radio rally on Monday. We have our innovation and in audio on Wednesday, and it's because we want to inspire uh, uh what is it about creating innovation? Because we find that radio is missing that element and no industry really continues on without innovation. But listen, Larry, I do want to thank you for being our guest on the Encouragers, the radio rally. If it's okay with you, I'd like to ask you to hang out with us for uh, maybe a minute or two in case somebody in our audience might have a question for you. You think that'd be okay? Yeah, happy to stick around. 
We are going to open up the room in case there are questions from you to our guest right now. All you need to do is push the button at the bottom of your iPhone or Android device that has the little hand raised up. It's our signal that you want to come up on the stage and ask a question. When you do, we ask that when we bring you up that you do mute your microphone. We also tell this to people all the time. There are a couple of different ways you can ask questions. You do not have to stand up in front of everybody on this app and do it. You can send me a private IM through uh, your app right now, and I can ask the question that way. Check in any time to get the latest updates on us continuing to add new guests to our schedules. We publish our full updated schedules for both the Monday event, the radio rally that you're listening to, and our Wednesday event called Innovation and Audio at RainmakerPathway.com. That's also where you can get free and fresh resources to help you or anyone in the radio business. Also, don't forget on Wednesdays, we want you to join us for our Clubhouse live event called Innovation and Audio. This Wednesday, uh, Lois Burak is going to be with us and look, she's going to tear down automotive for us. We're going to talk about it's a big category for radio. You might be interested in that. She is with local IQ automotive part of the USA Today Network. Want to know about that? I think you're going to want to know about what's going on there. Um, I do have a question for you, Larry, uh, from the IM here. Um, What do you wish people without Parkinson's knew about Parkinson's? Uh, I bet this is from my buddy, Rui. Uh, who's in Portugal. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think what people need to know is that just because, um, you know, you're going to encounter people in your life that are acting differently than you do. Um, I've been accused more than once of being drunk in the middle of the day because I lose my balance or I can't get up from a chair or can't walk straight because um, the, the medications uh, ebb and flow. And if you don't take your medications on time, uh, then you start getting dyskinesia or tremor or you start sort of moving funny. And you've seen Michael J. Fox sort of shake and shimmer. And, and so I, I get that as well. And so people, people are, you know, can be jerks and uh, they, they'll do more than stare. They'll just say, hey, it's the middle of the day. What are you drinking for? You know, uh, and it's like, wow, dude, really? Um, and so just have empathy for people and just understand that everybody has their own story. Um, and you never know what their what their battles are. Uh, That's exactly right. Yeah. So it's not just about, but like really about Parkinson's. It, the brain cells we're losing don't have anything to do with our intelligence. It has Larry, everything wow. to do with everything to do with movement and uh, with 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 getting messages from our brain to our body. How many people have Parkinson's? Do you know that number? Well, it's about 10 million people worldwide. It's uh, right. the fastest growing neurological condition in the world, and it's not slowing down. It doubled, the number of people with Parkinson's doubled the last 25 years, and by 2040, it's gonna double again. Absolutely frightening. Okay, yeah. I, have, I have another question uh, here for you. How do you balance your life? I, I wanna know this too. How do you balance your life between all you're doing and living with Parkinson's? Because this is a walking, living thing that is in your life. Yeah, this is an incurable, uh, degenerative disease. Yeah, it's progressive. So, uh, yeah, my symptoms are always advancing. My medication's changing all the time. I'm on, you know, probably 20 pills a day just to, to, to be close to normal. Um, and, Your best friends are doctors. Uh, well, and my pharmacist, frankly. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I've got a great family support. My wife and my, my 12 and a half year old son are, are great. And my wife and I really have a great relationship where she keeps me honest. You know, I, I'm, I need to keep family first. I need to, to make sure that's a priority in my life. Uh, I need right. to worry about my health. Um, and then radio and then, you know, my advocacy and, and, you know, from day to day or hour to hour, it could shift, but overall it needs to average out. So I am keeping family and my health first. And so that means I may take a nap. Well, may I take a nap every day in the middle of the workday and my work knows it. Uh, I went to them, right. told them I needed that. 
um, because I, I get exhausted. Uh, everything is effort. So, you know, to walk across the room, I have to think about walking. I have to think about what am I getting and what am I grabbing and what am I forgetting? And uh, so, like, for instance, I was talking about one of my therapists, uh, occupational therapists, and she's like, you know, one way you can save energy is like when you're taking a shower, you, you've got balance issues already. And now you're on a wet floor standing with your eyes closed trying to wash your hair. Just get a shower chair and get over it. No one knows if you use a shower chair or if you stand up. And let me tell you, if you don't use a shower chair, you're missing out because nothing like sitting down and just soaking it all in first thing in the morning. Like that's, that's the most relaxing shower you'll have. Yeah, this is terrible to say, but I don't know if you know this, but Elvis Presley had a shower chair. Well, he was on <laughs> something. Yeah, well, he certainly was on something for sure. <laughs> uh, and probably had balance issues too. Yeah, Listen, well, yeah. I want to say this to you. I want to say thank you for spending this time with us. I, I also want to say God bless you and let you know that I'm going to pray for you. And, uh, I, you know, I just really appreciate your time. Well, I, I really appreciate it. It's great. And, you know, we've never really officially met. I think we've been communicating back and forth. I've seen your yeah. stuff all over the place, and I, I love what you're doing. I, I think, you know, anybody who loves radio as much as we do, uh, I, you know, I'm a big fan of. And, and I, I, I do want to say, like, Everybody is welcome to join the PD Avengers. You don't have to have Parkinson's or even know anybody with Parkinson's. This is an out-of-control freight train, and we need help. And Oh, uh, dude, give us, an, give us an email address. Yeah, just go to www.pdavengers.com. Very good. I like it. Well, listen, we do try to keep things to about an hour. One of the great things about our live events is that, look, we tell people all the time, you can listen. No one is required to ask questions. We are responsible to come up with compelling content. I would say we've done that pretty well tonight. Oh, thank, you. thank you for joining us every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the Radio Rally. Remember, if you know somebody that you would like to hear as a guest on the Radio Rally, just email me, FORD at RainmakerPathway.com. Uh, I certainly hope that you're going to have a great week. We like to say this at Rainmaker Pathway and on the Radio Rally. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. Our thanks to Larry Gifford for being with us and spending this time with us, being our patient and giving guest. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which will be available any moment wherever you get your podcast. And thanks to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. Please do share our podcast. This is our way. We're bringing encouragement to our business. The Encouragers, the Radio Rally, and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast. You can share them with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio or people who are interested in innovation. Both of these podcasts are available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else you heard tonight, be kinder than you have to be. Thanks for being a part of the Radio Rally and the Encouragers, and good night.